Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the otherworldly films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about the now cult classic, I think, uh, science fiction invasion film, 1982's Extro. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1982's Prime Evil on archive.org. And Prime Evil? Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Why did I say Prime Evil? I don't know. <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> I'm not even reading a script. <laughs> ah! No, the dementia. The dementia is coming. <laughs> I'm supposed to have another 30 years. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> no. This movie is 1982, right? Yeah. I got the year, but I got the title. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely extra. Wait, you mean you didn't watch Evil again? What? I mean, you didn't watch Five Evil again? No. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> and I never will. Listeners, you can find 1982's Extra on archive.org and probably some other streaming websites if you want to chuck out a few dollars it's probably worth it yeah i think i mean i'm glad this movie is out on blu-ray and i think dvd now because for a while it was really hard to get the only way to see it was with a vhs and they weren't they weren't super expensive but they weren't cheap either um so now now it's much more available, but still not on streaming. That's kind of strange to me. It's not even on Amazon right now? No. Wow. So when I just told people you can probably find it somewhere for a couple dollars, I I was just straight lying. Oh, you might be able to rent it. Let's yeah. see. Let's look. Nope. So your options on Amazon is you can get a 26... 80, a $26.84 Blu-ray or a $69.54 DVD or a $51.99 VHS tape. Those are your choices. I would probably not pay that much to see this. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think if you are a, a horror movie fan at all, you should see this at least once. Yes, but archive.org it, it, it this is a movie that kind of needs to be seen to be believed like did you know what you were getting into with this movie i had never seen any extra film until this week and my assumption was that they were all going to be traditional alien abduction films and this is anything but yeah, so the there's three extra movies. I have not seen the sequels, but they have nothing to do with this one. They're all completely different. And the reason for that is that Harry Bromley Davenport, who wrote and directed Extro, after it was released, he maintained the rights to the title and the image, but not the movie. And so when he wanted to make a sequel, he wasn't allowed to use any of the plot elements from the first movie, only the title. So you're telling me Extra 2, Extra 3, 
And I don't think any more exists beyond that. But if they do, none of them follow up the ending that we get here. No, I don't even think they have the same... Like, I don't even think they exist in the same universe. I think the aliens and everything are totally different. Incredible. The, From the, what I've read... The final fantasy of <laughs> Americana alien invasion. From what I've read, Extro 2 kind of rips off aliens. Do, do you think this one rips off aliens? Because this one rips off aliens. I think this one, and this has pretty much been backed up by what Davenport says, I think every single element of this movie is derivative and ripped off from something. The interesting thing is how they combined everything together. And I just I just want to double check, because you use this man's full name, first, middle, and last name um, at, for the writer. He wrote this entire movie by himself. Uh, he had a couple co-writers. Um, so my understanding is that somebody else wrote wrote a script originally called Extro that bore very little similarity to the eventual movie that got made. And Harry Bromley Davenport stepped in and rewrote the movie, and he was ultimately the director. He also um, composed the musical score. And uh, so I think this is kind of his vision. But now... Um, I mean, the he, there's an interview, you can look it up on YouTube, but it's on the DVD too, uh, where he talks about the movie and he's pretty dismissive of it. I mean, he says straightforwardly, like, it's garbage, it's exploitation, like, it's trash, and I know it. Um, and he said, basically, the writing process for this movie was him and the other filmmakers and the producers like smoked a lot of weed and threw out, threw out ideas and whatever ideas got thrown out, got put into the movie. This movie may have been a little better with some less ideas, but then I also don't know what they would have filled that time with. Uh, apparently the, uh, the Panther, the inclusion of the Panther uh, completely baffles the director. That was at the insistence of producer Bob Shea. Very famous producer. I mean, would go on to be, you know, big guy at new line and behind like the Freddy Krueger movies and stuff. But um, I don't know about the, the, the need for the Panther in this movie. How would you describe the tone of this movie? Is there a is there is there like one tone from start to finish? I think there kind of is. I think it's I think it's what makes part of what makes this movie really distinctive because all the elements of this movie feel ripped off from other movies, but I've never seen another movie that feels quite like this movie. Well, when you first start watching this movie, there's a very familiar vibe you know for anyone who's watched you know 70s 80s 90s horror it's there like the production values there the acting's there these are just like that quality right but then there are certain plot elements which really go against the stereotypical events that you are expecting for something like an alien invasion and that kind of that kind of fucks with the vibe a little bit. For for me, I think a lot of it is that this movie is very British and it's very dry and it's very somber. 
and the musical score, I, I actually kind of like it. The, the director who composed it described it as screaming synthesizers and said that he thought it was horrible now. Um, but I think that it, it creates this persistently somber mood to what is otherwise kind of a ridiculous film. Right. And so it's, it's very str- it's a very strange and jarring where as i'm watching the film despite how silly the premise is like i'm i'm put off edge i don't think the premise is too silly compared to other things we've seen until we get about halfway through the movie and i don't think we want to jump that far yet no before we get into any of that let's talk about the uh our main actors who I think all do a pretty good job. I think the acting in this movie for what they're given is pretty good. Agreed. You know, imagine that you are an up and coming actress, right? You're, you're just trying to get any role you possibly can to break out into the industry. And you get a job as a side character in like the start of this movie. And you're like, all right, cool. I'm victim number one. What's going to happen to me? Well, you see this alien is going to crab walk into your house and impregnate you through your mouth. <laughs> and, and then as a and then you, as an actor, you have to be professional about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um the the director felt especially sorry for um the girl, her name is Miriam Diabo or something to that effect who plays Annalise the uh the nanny um she ends up like cocooned on the wall and in order to be in that position she had to like sit on a bicycle seat for you know pretty much naked for like eight hours at a time and uh the director felt quite sorry for her in retrospect no this is not a great movie to be a woman in do you feel like it's misogynistic I thought so at first, but spoiler, nobody has a great time in this movie. Yeah, that's one thing the the director pointed out as well in the interview is like, um, you know, people have accused it of being misogynistic and he doesn't understand that because like everybody in the movie gets fucked up. Like it's it's not just bad things happening to women. Yeah, uh, that that that's I guess that's the saving grace right i think the di- the dif- everybody i think the difference and uh, i mean this fits thematically with the movie i can see why they did it both thematically and in terms of just being exploitative and um or exploitive and uh, you know trying to sell tickets but all of the women's deaths and the things that happen to them have a sexual nature to them I guess you could see that as as somewhat disturbing. If and 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 it makes sense, right? If if this is a movie about an alien life cycle and we def I definitely need some clarity about the life cycle, but it involves impregnating something, right? It kind of makes sense that that's how they would abuse the human species. I don't know. It but using like you might have had better judgment in sculpting your movie. 
I don't think there's enough consistency in the ideas to to really draft out a very working um, understanding of how these aliens reproduce. Because like you just said uh, you know, moments ago, they just did a bunch of drugs and threw shit at a wall. Yeah, there are definitely, I mean, we've got to take the movie as it is, right? And if we do that, I have some questions about how things work, but we'll save those. Uh, our The guy who plays Sam, he's our main father in the very beginning of the movie who gets abducted. He's played by Philip Sayer. Uh, I'm not really familiar with him as, a, as an actor. I haven't seen him in a bunch of stuff. He was in 30 movies and died relatively young, uh, relatively af soon after the making of this movie of Cancer. That's unfortunate. But I think he does a good... I'm not sure if he does a, if it's a good performance or if he's just well cast, but he is able to cast a sort of um, unnerving glare at the camera. We don't really get to see him as a loving father for very long. We really only get uh, exposure to the imposter dad. Right. We're assuming he's an imposter. Let's wait on that because I have some questions. There, I'm not going to have I'm, questions about everything in this movie. I'm going to have some questions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, And then his wife, Rachel, is played by Bernice Steakers. I'm not really familiar with her either. Have you seen her in anything else? I immediately recognized her, but I couldn't pinpoint it. So I had to look it up. And what is it? Macabre. Oh, that's totally right. Yeah. Yeah, she was the main character in Macabre. I was like, I know this person. I have seen them for like an hour on a television screen. Where where have I seen this person? And I had to look them up. So, I mean, maybe this... Maybe having seen Macabre, I was somehow um, unconsciously biased but I have a hard time finding her sympathetic in this movie. Like she feels miscast. Oh, I don't think she's miscast, but I, I certainly feel like her character's in a difficult situation. No, I agree with that. I, I just, there's something about her that seems um, sinister to me, which works totally in macabre because her character is doing all kinds of like horrible, nasty things in macabre. And um, we're supposed to have questions about her character, but in this movie, she's just supposed to be sympathetic. And I, I can't, I can't read her that way. I feel like you're being prejudiced. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. All I can do is explain my reaction. Right. And Looks this is how I reacted to her performance. She looks evil, so I interpret her as evil. It's not her. Like, if I just look at her picture, I'm not like, oh, this is a she looks scary or she looks mean or something. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about her affect, like the way she delivers her lines and interacts with the other characters. There's just something is off. It could just be me. It might just be like a cultural thing. What Meaning what? British dryness. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, but her, her performance is not bad. It's I think she's good in the movie. And then the little kid 
I don't think we need to talk about the kid, right? His performance is fine. He's he's a kid, you know, child actor. He does. He kind of reminded me of the little kid in The Omen. And I think he similarly has the ability to, like, look, again, sinister um, in certain scenes. And that really works. But I also never found him sympathetic. Like, I thought he was annoying the whole movie. (laughs) I think it's just your your bias towards children. (laughs) My bias against children? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You, You weren't irritated by him? No, no. I, I in fact, <laughs> we've we've had so many films with obnoxious child actors and like it, it, kids who couldn't really pull off the role. And, and I guess the fact that I didn't question his sincerity at any point probably means he did a really great job along with the uh, rest of the cast. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not critiquing the actor here at all. I'm critiquing the character. I. This was almost to the level of like Bob in House by the Cemetery, who is probably the most annoying little child character I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I don't know. I just I found him whiny and irritating and I never felt like he was a good kid. I was always like, yeah, he's just waiting for the chance to be evil. He's traumatized from the sudden disappearance of his father. He witnessed like otherworldly phenomenon that no one will ever believe because he's a child. There's a yeah, lot but, of no baggage that comes with that. Yeah, but he's the one in the movie who's confident, who's like, no, dad's coming home. Like he'll be back. It, it, like he doesn't seem he doesn't seem traumatized to me. He seems like he is less concerned about his dad's well-being than everyone else. Okay, true. But, you know, I guess the movie doesn't really go into this. I think I'm starting to imprint. Or I'm starting to infer. I'm starting to infer. Sorry, I can't imprint because my father was never actually abducted by aliens. (laughs) (laughs) It's as far as I know. It's okay. We're allowed to make inferences here. (laughs) I just think that if this kid had anything off about him, it would be easy to write it off as, you know, trauma from being abandoned at a vacation home yeah no he definitely deserves to be traumatized deserves to be traumatized <laughs> he deserves to authentically feel what he's feeling is my point like i'm not saying he it's just that he got traumatized <laughs> That's what you were getting at no it's like this kid's so annoying he deserves his trauma no <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i was saying boy your single parent household you little shit like what the hell luke <laughs> no and this kid's got so much support around him like he's got an uh understanding stepdad that cares about him up to a point he's got a, a nanny albeit one who wants to bone her boyfriend and is semi-absent and a mom like i don't know he seems okay <laughs> You know, outside of all the alien shit, you're right. This kid is has gotten set up. He has a non-abusive step-parent, which is a miracle for the kinds of movies we watch. And and then he has, like, the hot foreign maid that he can have, like, adolescent crushes over while he grows up. What more could you want besides your real father back? 
Yeah, I mean, you've got to think about it from the perspective of like the mom or the boyfriend or any of the other characters who are interacting with this kid. Like for all you know, the father abandoned you and you've got this little whiny kid and all he does all the time is talk about how great his dad is and how his dad is coming home and he sounds delusional, right? Like it might be true. He might be like, he might be the only one who knows what's going on, but it doesn't mean it's not irritating. Anyway, I didn't find the child offensive. We've we've had some obnoxious fucking children in these movies, and and this kid is not in that like echelon to me. All right, well, I he he it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I didn't find him a likable character. In fact, I I have a problem liking any of these characters. Well. It's Except probably, Joe. It's probably Joe. hard for the kid because he's only himself for like 20 minutes. Oh, I have theories about that. I, I'm not sure about that. God. All right. You and your theories and your questions. All right. Yeah, Let's but, uh, for the trailer. I do find Joe sympathetic. I like Joe. Okay. Trailer time. Well, wait. Joe is played by Danny Brainin, but he doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. I don't think he had much of a career. He was in John and Yoko, A Love Story, the TV movie about John and, and Yoko. All right, let's play the trailer. Okay. <laughs> then we finally get into the story. Tony's father has been away a long time. Now he's coming home. Extro has returned. Once a man, he is now something more than human. Indestructible, ever-changing, evil. His mission, to avenge, to possess, to destroy. Why did you come back? I came back for you. Oh, my God. Joe! Extro, bearing powers of black magic from deep space. If you think hard about something, So I realize from your perspective of listening to this that it's just a mishmash of sound effects. But if I had never heard of this movie and I watched this trailer, I would think this movie is fucking wild. I never would have thought it was an alien invasion film. <laughs> I I do think this movie is fucking wild. Like, they, okay, it is. But when I was going into it, I thought it was just going to be about aliens, right? Okay. But then you see this trailer, and they're not just showing you aliens. They're showing you 
you know, everything. <laughs> I'm trying not to get ahead. Yeah, I think we need to do basically a walkthrough on this movie, not talk about every scene, but there's a lot I don't want to skip. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I really like the abduction scene in the very beginning. Like it and this happens again when the the second UFO comes to Earth, or at least is the person is beamed to Earth, however that happens. Um it's like there's a flash of light. And then the whole atmosphere changes. And I, I'm, I'm sure they did it for a budget reason. Like they couldn't, they didn't have the budget to build and show a UFO landing. So instead it was like this switch to a surreal dreamscape. But I really like the effect it has. It's really dark and strange. It, it genuinely feels otherworldly. I don't have a lot of reading experience for the real life in quotations testimonials for alien abductions most of my exposure to this sort of thing is from media based on it you know movies like this the x-files um unsolved mysteries that sort of thing but i do seem to recall that there is a common motif of um or a, a recording of phenomenon of like the stopping of time and so you know this this there's an object thrown in the air and then it just never comes down. It stays there. And so I would say that this may have been done for budget purposes, but it also seems pretty on par from what reports have been about alien abduction, which is time stops. Yeah. But maybe I'm thinking more so when, when the extra when the extra comes back to earth um, there's like a flash and then you see all the like forest is the forest brush is on fire as if something has you know incinerated it but we don't see the incineration like that's what I'm getting at with the budget is like it's very before and after but I, I think that that really works are we calling him the extra I, well let, that's what I'm going to call him, but I have some questions about what to call him. I know I keep hinting at these questions, but we're going to get there. I mean, this, this this isn't a movie that actually says extra at any point. No, but in, in fact, the, the director in the interview, he was like, you know, the only thing I had rights to was this title. And I was like, what does it even mean? Like, I guess extra means like extraterrestrial. So it has to have something to do with aliens. He was like, but otherwise it, it's totally meaningless. I don't know who came up with it or where it came from. Do you think it's kind of odd that the start of this movie, the family has a dog and then that dog is just straight gone for the rest of the film? Well, it probably died in the three years in between or it was incinerated by the abduction. I'm just guessing here. Do you think it's odd that this family owns like a dinky ass apartment in the city, but then they own a two story vacation home out in the countryside? No, because that apartment in the city probably costs the same, if not more than their cottage. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call this a cottage. It has two stories. Well, that's what they call it a cottage. Do you think it's a cottage? I didn't really think about it, to be honest. It's like a summer home. <laughs> It's a vacation house. It's definitely a vacation house. I don't know. It's just kind of weird that they call it a cottage, but it's two-story 
two-story giant house. I think it's a British thing. It's maybe it's a British thing. But when the when the extra lands and we hear like a Wait. lot of it's Wait. very wet and gloopy sounding and some it it slowly begins to materialize. I feel like we're jumping ahead. No, I'm talking about after the the three years has passed and the extra returns to earth. We get through, so we get the, we get the abduction scene, right? Yeah. And then it cuts into the family's apartment. Right. Kid is in bed. Looked like he just got like a full on clothed bath as like a loving parent. If you went into your child and they were sitting in bed and sweating so much that they looked drenched, like you'd just be like, Oh, okay. Good night, sweetie. Well, all right, two things. One, I sometimes wake up drenched in sweat. Like, I have very intense nightmares, and that's just a normal occurrence for me. Um, like, sometimes I have to go get a different sheet because <laughs> it's, like, drenched. Um, but secondly, this this mother doesn't get too worked up about anything. Like... There are things that she's ostensibly worried about because she tells us she's worried about them, but she doesn't act that worried. I guess let me check my um my perspiration privilege because I I guess I just don't have that problem. It it's not an ordinary thing for me, but it's not it's not rare either. Do you want to use this brief amount of time to bring awareness to excessive perspiration? I don't think I suffer from excessive perspiration. I think I suffer from particularly extreme dreams. <laughs> okay. So anyway, there's an alien that plops out of a UFO. Um, I was not expecting it to look like this. It it's just it what it reminded me of was the scene in Hellraiser where um where what's his name Frank comes back to life and his body slowly grows out of the floorboards, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that's what it reminded me of because the alien kind of materializes slowly. Yeah, I guess it doesn't even come out of the ship, huh? No, it's just it lands as if it's like a glob of gloopy stuff, and it's very wet, and it starts to materialize, and then eventually we see a mime crab walking away in a bodysuit. Oh, we know it's a mime. Yeah, it's a mime. That's who they hired. I do think the um, the creature when it crab walks out into the road is it, the one of the creepiest things in the film. I think it's genuinely excellently done. It's it's really strange, right? Because it shows you the full creature as soon as it emerges from the leaves. And it's clearly a suit. It looks silly. And then it you're like, oh, that's a funny suit. <laughs> and then it does this the scene at the road where you only get the brief glimpse of it, like crab walking away out of the headlights. And I agree, that was the creepiest scene of the whole movie. Have you seen these lists online that are like the 10 strangest animal sightings, um, you know, or the te- the the 15 encounters with extraterrestrials like that are apparently real footage? Oh. I see this scene included all the time. That's hilarious. 
Yeah, I have seen this scene in in several of those supposedly real life supernatural encounter videos. I do think the um that this kind of a shot was better suited for this um for this costume. Yeah, I just it- really strange that they give you the dead on shot full light in the dark woods. Yeah, I so I watched it on VHS and so it's it's quite dark and it's a little bit fuzzy. So in that lighting, like on the VHS, I think it looks pretty good the whole time. Um, I do think that like if I were to pause it and really stare at the costume and, and look at how they did it, like it's obvious and I agree it's silly, but there's something disquieting about it. The only thing I wish there was is I wish we saw more of that special effects process of like the creature actually materializing. But the actual scene in the street where the car swerves is um, it's great. I mean, it's it's iconic to me. Oh, apparently it's iconic enough to work into, uh, you know, meme alien sighting lists. So do you think do you think the people who are driving down the road actually hit it? It didn't seem that way to me, but that's how the movie treats it. Yeah, I didn't think they hit it either. But then the wife like walks up there to the, you know, the front bumper and like wipes slime or blood off of it. And the creature seems to be injured. So I don't know. I guess they do. But I would not if I was this guy who was driving, I don't think I would have walked that far into the woods to investigate this thing. I think he might have been the only one that saw how weird it was. But then it's horror movie logic. Why would anyone go into the woods chasing after something like that? If I saw this, I would be absolutely terrified. I'd keep driving. There is no way. Not no. I, I probably would not get out of my car and I definitely wouldn't walk into the woods. And then you wouldn't walk up to the corpse and touch it. You wouldn't touch its bleeding face with your fingers. No, like, and there's a, it, my wife and I always joke when it, like we were walking the dog or going hiking or whatever. And I, I'm always like, I think it would be cool if like we discovered a dead body and we were on one of those, you know, investigative discovery shows, uh, those true crime documentaries or whatever. Like, I think that would be cool to discover something like that. Not that it happened, but that I discovered it. Uh, but in this case, if I saw that fucking thing, no way. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm <laughs> not getting out of the car. Oh, man. This man is like, oh, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And then touches its bloody face. <laughs> and then he get does he get the uh, the impregnation thing shot onto his face like the nanny does at the end? Um, no, this is a misogynist film, so this guy just dies. <laughs> okay. All right. But something he gets shot in the face with something. So it's weird. Um, you know, we get the jump shot of the alien rearing its head and it sprays an acid, and then it goes or something from its mouth, and then it goes to the victim's face, and it just looks like he gets hit with like a tongue or something. Yeah, it looks like a tongue. It it is dark though. It's hard to see. I didn't know how much of that was the VHS. Would you like to see the clear DVD one? <laughs> sure. 
I don't know. It's really stupid looking. It's like a forked tongue that hits him in the face and then he's dead. <laughs> so from here, from the road, um, after it, it kills this couple, it attacks a woman in her house. I thought this looked kind of unconvincing, but cool. Nevertheless, this like appendage snakes out and seals over her mouth. Yo, I I thought it was going to be a dick. <laughs> I mean, it's not that far off. I I just I thought we were going to see an impregnation scene that was very 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 exploitative. I'm actually surprised they got away with this much in the 80s in England. I mean, this movie was on the video nasties list, so it it did have censorship problems, but uh, it got released to theaters. So, are aliens satanic? No, no, hmm. not that I know of. I was just saying that's like what most of the videos nasty list be, right? Most of it's about gore, hmm. uh, and I'm sure this upcoming birthing scene didn't help. No, no, it didn't. Um. So go ahead, go ahead and walk us through this. This woman gets attacked in her house. It does, it does the face hugger scene. This is why I was like, oh, oh, it's an aliens ripoff. Right. Yeah. Because it seals over your mouth in the same way. And then it like impregnates you. But in this case, in the case of this movie, you give birth to a full grown man out of your vagina. It's quite gruesome and looks pretty good. It's pretty impressive. Again, I don't know if this was, you know, the actress's first movie or her breakout role, but I'm telling you, like, you're like, yes, mom, dad, look, I got a job. Great. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) You're like, well, you see. (laughs) I mean, not. I'm sure it was uncomfortable for everybody. Like, I imagine the guy who had to crawl out of this, like, fake vagina um, and stretch the latex and then bite through the umbilical cord and shower off with the faucet in the sink. Like, this whole thing, the fact that they even thought to do this in this way, it definitely makes this movie and this scene stand out. And then there's the alien head with the mouth that doesn't move. Yeah, the alien head is not great. Not great. <laughs> Yo, you have this whole ass apartment to or house or cottage to wash yourself off in, and he picks the sink. <laughs> well, that's... I have two questions. I'll start with the first one because I think it's easier. So, the at the same time this is happening, the son who is in an entirely different location he's in his mom's house their house he wakes up and under the covers he's covered in blood and he doesn't seem to be injured and the doctor comes he's like no there's nothing wrong with him it's just blood is that somehow connected to this birth scene and if so how um you know i would have tried to maybe rationalize how it was connected until you told me that the writers just did a bunch of drugs and threw every idea into the film. So I think they just wanted to put something traumatizing in here. And 
you know, a lot. <laughs> I'd imagine a lot of parents watching this movie in like the 80s would have been very uncomfortable, like imagining themselves checking in on their child and they're covered in blood. Yeah, I just wish the movie went someplace with things like this. Like, it is effective. It's a good scene. I can see why it would be terrifying as a parent. But then it, it there's nothing done with it, ever. This is the biggest shortfall of the film, I think. Uh, this, this lack of connecting dots. Yeah, and, and so to get to my bigger question, when... The adult Sam, who's the man who was abducted in the beginning, is birthed from this woman. Is it him or is it an alien clone? To be um, forward, if you haven't seen this, the movie doesn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, so I want, I want to know your opinion. I don't think there's a right answer here. All right, well, let me run through what I think are the options. All right, option one, this is an entirely new being who is being born, who has been cloned, essentially, from Sam's genes and has inherited his memories. That I think that's option one. Option two, is it somehow literally Sam? Like, he has gone through a genetic metamorphosis in order to, as he says, like better live on their planet or whatever. And now he needs to be reintroduced into a human skin. And then the third option, I think, is that Sam has always been some kind of non-human being. And that's why he was taken in the first place. I think option three is very out there. But you think it could be one or two easily. I think one is more likely if it is two, if if it is the actual Sam, he's either had his memory fucked with or if he's been brainwashed into believing that the human race is better off being assimilated in a way by these aliens. But by the end of the movie, it's clear that there are no positive implications for these aliens uh, coming down to our planet because they're just using us as like a weird egg breeding ground. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this changes your opinion, but this movie originally had a different ending. Did you read about this? No. So in the other ending, and I won't go too in, into it right now, there were the all of the eggs that are in the freezer at the end. They all hatched and we don't we didn't see the hatching, but we saw the aftermath. And what was born was a bunch of clones of Tony, the little kid. Oh. So knowing that, does that change your your idea about the the process? Um yeah, it's definitely one then. Okay. One. So you think that the original Sam is either dead or is not here, and this is a clone that inherited his memories. Yeah, they're they're using they're using the human like genome as a piggyback to push their own their own like genetic invasion. 
Yeah, I don't know if I agree. I mean, I don't think that's how the movie... I don't think that's what the movie suggests. I think that he's been the same Sam throughout. At some point, either he was convinced or brainwashed that this was a good thing, that he would be better off once he, um, like, embraced their mission maybe it was when he got transformed he says when he needed to adapt to their planet but whatever it is i think he's been one person and then i think he genuinely cares about and wants to bring his son with him this might be a little too deep for this movie but um you know there there are other science fiction stories that bring up like uh, viable clones viable artificial intelligence where in order for these things to be able to exist and function they have to be given a like a memory blueprint like something that helps them have a, a self-identity so that they just don't immediately psychologically fall apart so uh, I think Blade Runner is one of those too, right? Because they, yeah, yeah, because it gives the um, the replicants false memories. So I think it's one of those situations where they they have this weird secret agent thing going on because his body clearly isn't human. There's even disregarding the end of the movie where he starts to fall apart. You know, there's the scene where he's using the pay phone or the, co the coin phone trying to communicate with his wife and he literally melts the phone with his spit. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that he is a the first line of some kind of invasion colonization force. But he probably does believe he is the original dude to some degree because he has the same memories implanted. Well, and I think part of this question hinges on whether he was sent back by the aliens or whether he somehow came on his own, like he escaped to come back to Earth to get his son. I can't imagine he did that because of what he does to his son it seems too methodical yeah and i mean i guess if you really want to go far out right you can say he escaped but then fell to his base instinctual programming which was initiate invasion protocol so i think i've said this before about another movie uh on the show but i think this is kind of objectively a flaw that the movie doesn't even try to answer these questions, that it leaves so much of this ambiguous. However, I think if we really did encounter extraterrestrials, extras, if they really came to Earth, right, and there was some kind of invasion, I think it would be really fucking weird. Like, I think it would play by all kinds of rules and processes that we can't comprehend because they're so alien to our experience on earth so in some ways i don't mind the the ambiguity and confusion because i, I think it would actually be that way i mean if we're gonna look at this as what what is a practical alien invasion I, i'd imagine uh, it, it would just be a, 
eliminating all the life on the planet so they can sap resources, terraform it or something, and then and then that would be it. I, I don't think there would be this weird genetic bullshit going on. Yeah, the this isn't a sustainable life cycle. Like, there's no life cycle that's sustainable where you would have a space fit. How would you even get off the planet? How would you excel your your science technology to the point where you can get into space to assimilate other other life forms without ever having those life forms on your planet to to, to begin with? Like the whole thing's absurd. I don't care. Like I don't care. This is an alien invasion movie. I don't care if it's believable. Yeah, I'm just like this wouldn't work <laughs> if you yeah. if you were to like sit down and analyze it. Yeah, it. I do wish that I wish that when we tried to like get in analyze this or like question the 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 mythos behind it um I wish it wasn't so clear that there are no answers. <laughs> like I wish there were some depths for us to plunge here, but there's not. It's very clear there is no depth. What do you think about to move on? The next morning after Tony wakes up coated in blood, did you think it was weird that his family just sends him to school? Yes. <laughs> but they're convinced that he was trying to run some kind of prank. Yeah, they think he he pulled it, that he's doing something to try to uh, memorialize his dad or prove his dad is here or something. But what kind of, what kind of, how does a kid get a hold of that much blood? Yeah, yeah, they don't they at first they think it's his, right? But then they realize it's not and it's like, okay, well whose is it then? And we never find out. But yeah, the the nanny Annalise is like, um, you know, what about what happened last night? And the boyfriend Joe is is says forget about it, like send him to school. And this is the scene where we get introduced to uh Tony's pet snake harry because he's trying to have it at the dinner table and uh or at the breakfast table and i think he wants to take it to school too what did you think of this this pet snake it's okay kind of weird that they bothered to write this in but it's all right i i will say it's as far as i can tell like a garter snake sure but i don't think they lay eggs all snakes lay eggs. I don't they, think so. It's okay. There's like one snake that lay that has live birth, but like generally speaking, like all snakes lay eggs. All right, I I have to look this up because I don't think that's right. Um, and I I found it strange in the movie. Uh, unlike most snakes, garters do not lay eggs. In fact, up to eighty garters are born through a live birth after a gestation period of about two or three months. So is that just a garter snake thing? I guess. It says unlike most snakes. Okay, so there's like one snake. And by, by that I meant like one, like the garter snake, right? And it's like 80 subtypes. Yeah, but I think that's what's in the movie. I think that's what this is. Hmm. Okay, well. Anyway. I, I, <laughs> I also, I, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, like, uh, you know what kind of gender norms do snakes have but if he's if it's hairy i don't see him laying eggs snakes can lay unfertilized eggs and just because he calls it hairy doesn't mean it's actually you know a male snake 
reptiles in general are notoriously hard to sex. Yeah, my my wife had a uh, snake for a long time that she named Lydia, and we believed it was female up until the point we had to take it to the vet. And they were like, oh, no, this is a male snake. And he's like, basically all of his, he had a lot of pent up sexual desire. And that's why he wasn't eating or anything. How'd you resolve it? They had to drain the sperm. <laughs> yeah, it was like a huge rush. Wait, a huge rush for who? The snake? <laughs> I, I like no, I mean like a rush of liquid rushed out of the snake. Oh, you watched the process happen. Yes. Did yeah. They, it, did they jerk off the snake? They like stuck a um they stuck an instrument in like a little flap. And then all of the the sperm came out. Ah, all right. Yeah. But anyway, all right, this snake is going to play a role. It is um, it is a strange addition to the movie. So what do you think of the boyfriend, Joe? He's a photographer. He, he wants to be a good stepdad to Tony, I think. Um, he's moved into the house. They talk about getting married at one point. This is the most sympathetic character to me. I agree. Did you think he was like being unfair? He does come off a little rough, but I think given the circumstances of why they think this father disappeared, I don't think it's unwarranted. I, I do think it's more bizarre that the wife is being totally supportive and enabling by letting him stay in the apartment. I think that's weird. I, you know, at first I thought, well, you know, she's really confused. How would I feel if I saw my wife after three years who I thought was gone forever? And she told me that she's lost her memory. Like even on the off chance that, this is true and she was abducted or something like that's going to be a really emotionally complex situation. However, later when they come home and Tony is not in the apartment, they immediately think that Sam has kidnapped him and that that's why he came back and they rush off to find him. So clearly she doesn't really trust him or believe him entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I found the dynamic strange. But I went back and forth. I thought, on the one hand, like, Joe is not being understanding of how difficult and complex this situation would be. Um, on the other, if I was in his position, I would probably behave the exact same way. And, you know, I don't think you can really see this husband, well, fake husband, clone, clone husband. What do I call him? Um, I'm just going to call him Sam. All right. Clone Sam. Clone Sam, you know, prior to all this, went out into the woods and stripped a dead body of clothes. I don't know if you can really say this guy's like that innocent from the get go. Oh, I don't think he's innocent at all. Yeah. Like everyone has every reason not to trust this guy, but you have to like look past that shit to try to reason why they would let this person into their house to stay. And 
even not knowing all that alien shit, I don't buy it. Like, I don't think that would happen. They would have him get a hotel or something. He yeah. clearly has money. And how he has money, who knows? Because yeah. for like three years. I mean, that that also kind of lends credence to the theory that, you know, he kind of just left because he has money in his pocket. It's not his money. It's the dead guy's money, but still. Did you believe the story that he didn't have any memories? No. Yeah, I don't think I believed it either. Like, I definitely don't believe it by the end of the movie. No, this is this is like a body snatcher situation, but with more steps. Well, everybody is at least a little uneasy around him, except for Tony. And then even Tony gets suspicious and runs away when he catches Sam eating his snake's eggs. And he doesn't just like pop them in his mouth. He like squishes them in his hand and lets the yolk run down his wrist and into his waiting mouth. How do you think this uh, factors into the extra, you know, invasion plan here? Why do they need to eat raw snake eggs? I have no idea. And then I wondered, well, like, because there's another point where he turns on the gas in the fireplace and just inhales gas. And so I was thinking, clearly, his alien body, like, has different nutritional needs than humans do. So can he eat the dinner food that the wife cooks? Can he breathe oxygen? I, I don't know. And when, when he finally catches up with, with Tony... When Sam catches up with Tony, uh, he kind of makes up by suckling on Tony's neck, which forms this big purplish bubble. What do you think about this? Um, this is the point where I just thought this kid is done. Like there's no <laughs> point of return for this kid. And uh, it is at this point I realized this movie was never going to have a happy ending. Was this um, creepy to you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it feels, it felt almost sexual to me. It was very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I don't know if I'd see it that way, but it's uncomfortable. Well, also, do you think that he's sucking or do you think he's like pushing something into the... Pushing something in. Okay. Not that that makes it better, <laughs> but uh, he's... He's transferring some kind of material from himself to the kid, which is probably necessary. Well, I can't really say that, knowing the egg hatching scene at the end. Um, maybe, maybe it's necessary for him to find compatible genetic material in order to continue the extra plan. Do Do you think that? So do you think at this point that Tony, the son, is being, like, taken over, like, rewritten by alien DNA or something? Yes. Okay, so you think that going forward, all of his actions are perhaps driven by an alien mind? Or a, like, biological initiative imperative that was created by the aliens. Well, after the neck sucking incident, he starts to develop magic powers. 
like he can make his top spin by staring at it. Um, and, and, and this is where the game, this is where the movie kind of goes, um, goes in an unexpected direction for me. And yeah. uh, I feel like maybe, maybe they could have done something else. Yeah, I don't think this fits in the rest of the movie. But it does, like, so th- I don't think this is a very good movie. Like, it's not a very well-written or made movie. I I very much enjoy it for other reasons. But I think that as long, like, if you were going to make a truly good movie about this topic, then I would say definitely leave this part out. But if you're going to make this movie... And it's already weird and bonkers and, you know, borderline bad. Then I'd rather it just be included because why not? I want to know what they were thinking. <laughs> why did they think these two genres needed to be mashed together? I don't know, it's unclear in the, the director's interview whether like which ideas were pushed by Bob Shea, the producer who apparently really wanted a, a panther in his movie for example and which ideas were a result of the stoned guys sitting around and throwing out suggestions well this was definitely a stone guy idea um i it just doesn't fit with everything else yeah and we never see sam doing it like sam says he has powers too and that he can do things just by thinking about them but we never see him do anything like that exactly it's like two different movies. I'll, I'll get it. Well, there's this... It, around this time, there's a very strange conversation between Sam and Tony where Tony starts to say, when you were in the accident, I knew. I felt it. Something like that. Do you think that's when the blood is in his bed? Yes. So is the blood in the bed not because of the birth, but because of the car accident? Ooh, like they're somehow like psychically linked. Right. Through that. Oh, you know, that that could be the explanation. But but then anyone, but it's there. (laughs) I I can see it. But then but then um, Tony asked Sam, do you like Annalise? And Sam says, perfect, but we can't damage her. Okay. That seemed like a really odd response. Well, yeah, because she's used in the egg plan later in the film. Right. But do you think that the son, do you think that Tony is already like aware of the plan and part of it because of his, you know, possession or whatever? Yes. No, as soon as as soon as the neck thing happened, that kid was gone. All right. I'm not sure about that. I, I think I think it might still be the same kid. I just think he sucks. I think he's just a shitty kid. I I, I strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um no, he he has been compromised. I mean, there might be bits and pieces of him that that still exist, but they now only survive in that body to push the extra invasion i don't know i think it's the same kid and he's yes he's being transformed into like an extra but i don't think his mind is changing his mind is super changed why what what how does he change well for example he 
you know, let's just talk about the next scene and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll go from there. All right. So the snake escaped earlier when Sam was eating the eggs. Yeah, it was furious. It escaped in fury. Well, snakes are known escape artists, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it, I guess it wiggled around all day in the walls of the apartment until it came down into their downstairs neighbor's place where it uh, fell and falls to a salad. And then this woman is so distraught about the snake being her salad that she takes out a meat mallet and bludgeons it to death violently. Uh huh. And she puts it in a bag and she brings it to Rachel, the um, Tony's mother, and says, like, you know, your son is too irresponsible to have a pet, blah, blah, blah. That's pretty savage that she knows about the snake and still killed it. Maybe I'll- she's just a bitch. You know, I was a little bit sympathetic towards her character being like, you know, the community grandma until this happened. I don't know. I I can totally understand being startled by a snake in your salad. Like you don't know if it's poisonous. You in the in the that flash instant when you panic, you don't know anything except there's a snake. Sure, but there's a clear moment of shock. And then a moment of realization of what happened. And then she pulls the snake out and bludgeons it to death. Like it isn't an instinctual, oh shit, start smashing. She had time to consider it and then follow through. Well, I didn't judge her too harshly, but I see your point. So anyway, Tony is furious about this, right? And him and Sam are in his room and it seems like Tony wants to do something to punish her and Sam tells him no, that they'll do it later. So what did you think the significance of this was to what we were talking about earlier? You know, this might be like a shitty little kid thing. Just this one part. Oh, I totally think it is. I think the kid is the same still. I'm just saying, like, if I was a kid and my, like, childhood pet was murdered, like, senselessly... By somebody i would want vengeance i'm not saying i would like go out and murder someone at the age of like eight or whatever but i would want some kind of penance yeah i think that's what this kid wants i don't think it's because he's being alien mind controlled i i think he's just a a kid but perhaps we can chalk that up to only like a you know him being in the fledgling stages of this transformation like some base instinct still exist like the like the ability to be offended. I don't know. But that night when Tony is in his room alone, it turns into like a, a, a whole psychedelic experience. There's like disco lights spinning around the room and like psychedelic yo-yos and weird toys like flying at the screen i suddenly felt like i had fallen into a trip and then his clown toy manifests into a living breathing creature i I think that he made that happen with his mind though right yes I, i mean apparently you just have to think something it happened so i imagine he imagined his toy came to life but the actor that plays the clown is really creepy to me 
Yeah. Like he's perfectly cast. His facial expressions, like he just looks menacing. He also has a weird rubber hammer that it, it's not like stable at all. It's very floppy. And it every time he shook it around, it was like he was holding a dildo. It was really weird. So I think it's safe to say that this part of the movie generally doesn't work with the rest of the premise. I don't think it does. But like I said earlier, we've already got a pretty weird movie. I'm totally fine with this being here. It just makes it wackier. So how much does the whack factor go up when his um, mock G.I. Joe manifests into a murder soldier? Exponentially. It turns into a totally different movie. For like five minutes, it's Terminator. Yeah, they have they have this giant action figure G.I. Joe guy home invade the downstairs neighbor. Very efficiently. It does an excellent job cutting that chain lock. Well, it is like a commando, right? So as an action figure, it should, of course, be manifested with all of the natural abilities of a special forces member. Right, very true. <laughs> the kid, The kid has really perfected his magical abilities within the span of a few hours. It... It corners the grandma in her living room and she, I'm calling her grandma, whatever. It corners her in the living room. She hides under the couch, but she's exposed when she reaches out from under the couch to grab a chocolate. (laughs) And that is the point where the soldier then bayonets the couch and kills her. Uh Um, This is a completely different movie. It really is. The, the tone goes to comical because she dies because she reaches for a chocolate. <laughs> but see, and and even the, I can tell they're trying to go to comical. Like the music even gets comical. It's like, bum, bum, ba, da, 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 like that kind of music all of a sudden. I, I didn't think that worked though. It's partly the cinematography of this movie, I think. And the seriousness of the performances, but it's all very dour to me. Like, there's no lightness in this movie. And anytime it tries to be light, like here, it doesn't work. And then we have the scene where it, it, the, the, it's the babysitter's time or the nanny's time to, to become the next step of the process. Yeah, first she's uh, he coerces her to play hide and seek with her with him. And she hides her boyfriend who she's been having sex with in the bedroom. And while playing hide and seek, she is cornered by the clown in the elevator. And uh, I guess I don't know what he does to her. She screams. And then in the next scene, Tony's sucking on her stomach. Yeah. So Hollywood knocked unconscious, you know, for convenience. And then I guess she's dragged back into the apartment, into the bathroom um, where. Alien child does his next step, his next programmed step, turning her into a vessel that'll eventually start spewing out eggs. But see, it's also similarly kind of creepy to um, what happened between him and Sam. See, I think, I think he's still himself though. I think he is excited by the fact that he can like get back at all these adults who didn't take him seriously. 
I don't think he has a reason to have a vendetta against the nanny. I don't know. He just seems like a jerk to me. Mm, I'm not convinced. Mm. Well, I, I actually found everything that happens from here on out with the nanny, I actually found really uncomfortable, like unpleasant. Oh, yeah. And apparently for her, too, because she had to sit on a bicycle seat for eight hours. Right. Um, but from the stomach, the stomach sucking with the big veins that stretch out across her skin and look really weird to then when she's cocooned in the bathtub. By the way, all right, the cocoons, right? Is there like a giant spider that's spinning these webs? What are they? I just figured uh, the kid was barfing out thread or something. I, it's, it's just... Minarets now. Maybe whatever he put into her is making the skin just exude webbing. <laughs> the director did say that because of like budget and editing and stuff, a lot of connective scenes were cut. So I wonder if some would have explained things like that. The boyfriend eventually discovers the bathroom cocoon and is attacked by a toy tank made manifest into a small combat drone and the panther that we've been talking about this whole time. Well, the tank is so stupid because it, it yes, it fires explosives apparently, but then it has like a pause and none of them seem well aimed. He could have just kicked it. Well, think about it. If it's an actual small tank, right? It's going to be made of like tank metal. You can't just kick that. You could at least tip it over on its back. Sure. Yeah, you could do that. There are other options besides running hysterically. I don't think there's any point in trying to overanalyze this scene because it's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And the panther, I have no idea what the... Does it even show us like a toy panther that he could have made real? Yeah, when um when when the clown is shown on the shelf before it is turned into a real clown, uh-huh. uh, there's a small plastic panther next to it. Kind of like, you know, the, I don't know if these even exist anymore, but when we we're kids, there's like those giant bargain buckets of like plastic mold animals and dinosaurs, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're like hollow plastic. Um, is one of those. Well, we might as well continue to talk about what happens at the house because there's also action going on at the cottage, but we'll get there. So the clown tips the fridge over and fills it with, I don't something. What does he fill it with? Um, it looked like melted ice cream to me, but I'm sure it's supposed to be some sort of medium, like industrial medium. Anyway, and the the poor babysitter is like plaster nanny is plastered up on the wall with the webbing, and they've turned her into sort of an egg laying factory where this this appendage comes out and squeezes these gelatinous eggs out, and then they put the eggs in the fridge to, I guess keep cool yeah it she no longer has legs she just has a giant egg laying tube yeah the web i find stuff like this like i guess it's borderline body horror but i find stuff like this disturbing yeah this is great this is the good part of the movie 
it's just weird that you know we have to have a psychic clown posse thing you know acting as the midwife well and there's like, a why, why couldn't he have just manifested some sort of like small extra alien thing I don't know it's so strange to me like why they went with the psychic clown shit yeah, there's a there's an even more stupid scene to me where the Rachel has called a neighbor and asked him to check on Tony. And so he goes over to check on him and he's killed by like this spinning top thing. It's like a razor yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing else like that in the movie. It's like master of the flying guillotine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wasn't a fan of that. No, no one was a fan of that. But Joe suddenly makes the connection that the man in the or the woman in the photograph, because Rachel has showed it to him, the woman in the photograph is also the woman in the newspaper who was killed. And so he is worried and he goes to rush out to the cottage to get to Rachel and Sam. But uh, Tony is already there. Somehow he got to where Joe works. And he's just chilling on top of the car in this alley. I think we just have to assume he lives down the street or something. Yeah. Anyway. Extra, extra genetic locomotion to, to hoof it over to the photography office. Maybe he can like teleport. Sure, why not? He just imagines himself in a place and he gets there. I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the uh, possibilities for extra are never ending. Well, the whole... So to back up, the whole reason that Rachel and Sam were apparently going to the cottage was so it would jar his memory because he apparently has amnesia. But somehow it goes from that to them having sex. And I... I did not buy this. I didn't buy that she would so quickly jump into bed with her weird husband who's been acting very strangely um, when she's having an emotional disagreement with her boyfriend or fiance. Well, his extra body is just exuding pheromones at a fantastic level right now. How is she supposed to fight against that? Well, it becomes easier when he starts shedding his skin. <laughs> Mid-coitus, he uh, starts leaking, starts rupturing. Um, I, I would imagine that if this man can just kind of change your whole biological makeup by putting his mouth on you, um, that this woman is also forever changed. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it suggests that he, like, reaches climax, right? And I don't know what that means. In ter like, is she now impregnated by an alien baby? Uh, we don't know. I don't even think that's the case, because if, well, even if that's the case, right? What, she gets a double prego at the end? Yeah, I don't know. Jumping ahead a little bit. I mean, we're almost at the end, right? The, the finale is pretty fast um after the big reveal for for sam be now publicly um outed is not quite sam uh the characters clearly don't know what's going on as they have not been privy to everything 
the audience has up until this point. Um, he he ch- changes, I'm assuming, into full on extra as he runs out into the woods. Yeah, what did you think of his, how he looked as the extra? Well, r- real quick before we get to that, boyfriend tries to to stop him from doing what? I don't know. And uh, Sam's new form just turns around and screams him to death. <laughs> yeah, he, it's like a high-pitched noise and his ears explode or bleed out. <laughs> So yet another thing that we find out the extras can do. It's like that John Hurt movie, The Shout. <laughs> oh, I never saw that. I know what it is, but I never watched it. Oh, um, yeah. It, it, this guy has a very um, unglorious death. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I knew this movie wasn't going to end well. Uh, the first time I saw it, like it was clear. Um but I was still kind of hoping that this guy survived. There's not a chance. When you when you're bleeding out your ears like that, you're done. Like the the first time I think uh the first time I saw it, I think what I thought was gonna happen was he was gonna be the only one left alive, and then he would be stuck with having to explain like all these missing and dead people. Speaking of missing and dead people, I don't think anybody even found the original birther woman in her house. No, they mentioned it on the news. They They do. They say she was horrifically disfigured. Ah. Yeah. I guess that's the only way you could really explain that. Yeah. But I do really like the scene. I I find it really eerie when Sam as a total alien now is holding Tony's hand at the top of the hill and the like really bright light is behind them. And there's kind of a weird outline, like a triangular outline that I think is supposed to be the alien spacecraft. And it's very, it's almost psychedelic. Clearly they didn't have the money or ability to like build a spacecraft and this is a, I would I would take this over a, a spaceship. Actually, there's like an iconic shot that happens in a lot of alien media, where you're in the deep dark woods at night. You have a hill that crests beyond what the camera can see, and then a very bright white light that illuminates the entire forest. Once, do you remember the first time you ever saw something like that in a move in a movie? Probably in an X-Files episode. Yeah, like I know physically probably an X-Files episode, but like chronologically, what do you think is the oldest movie you've seen this trick in? Like, is it this movie? 1982? Oh, no. I was thinking maybe the original Invaders from Mars. Something like that. This is a trope that's so common. I just don't know where it originated. Yeah, I don't either, but... I mean, I think it's just something that it intuitively, as if you're a cinematographer and you know a lot about lighting and like how to illuminate a scene, and this is something that you would naturally reach, like come to the conclusion to do. I think this uh, full-on extra uh, looks a little bit better than the weird four-legged thing that was running around earlier, but it's only probably because we don't get a gr- the best look at it. Yeah, I actually think it looks worse. I like the thing at the beginning better. It definitely looks more functional. 
like the body looks good, but the face looks really stupid. It looks like a puppet. The eyes are kind of glassy. Yeah. But the the face on the other one didn't look great either. True. It looks good because they just have him in like weird zombie makeup as he's like, so his flesh is falling apart. Yeah. Do you think he's like melting too? Or do you think he's just covered in blood and stuff? I think he's in the process of changing because, you know, Sam looked like that briefly before he went into his full transformation. Okay. And they did say, Sam did say earlier that he had to be changed to adapt to their planet. So if Tony is coming with him, I guess his body would have to be changed soon. But anyway, so when the movie was first released, it was released, it ended here. It ended with Rachel sitting down in the field in despair as her husband and son disappear and her fiance has been murdered because the ending with all the Tony clones had been cut. The producer thought that the special effects looked too silly. So they just ended the movie here. Later, the other ending was filmed and added to the movie. But the first theatrical run, this was the end. This really felt like the end. It did. Yeah, I was surprised that it faded to black and then came back. And I'm like, whoa, what what is going to go on now? I actually would. I wish it. I wish it ended here. I actually think it would be a more upsetting ending because I think Rachel having to live with the absence of her son and husband and fiance and nanny like Everyone in her life has been killed. That's a horrifying, like, psychological reality to deal with. And instead, she just gets picked off. It's not just picked off. Like, she comes back to her apartment, and the whole thing is, looks like it was uh, redecorated. Yeah, I I really wonder how, so this is like their egg-laying factory now, right? How sustainable is this? Eventually, someone's going to investigate. I think it's supposed to be kind of a one and done sort of thing. Okay. Uh, but there's like still a panther walking around the apartment. <laughs> well, in the clown, right? He's still there. Uh, do we see the clown? I, I just assumed he was still there in the GI Joe. Well, he's got, they got to be somewhere, but they're not in the ending. At but one point, he at- approaches the fridge and, um, you know, has all the green goop in there and the eggs are chilling out and it looks like guacamole. The, uh, at one point we see the clown putting the eggs in there, but yeah, we don't see him in the very last scene. I do like the egg special effect where, uh, she, she picks it up and it's like, it's got like a pulse pulsing heart inside of it or something. And then she looks at it with like, not fear, but intrigue. And and this is the point where I figure, well, you know, she has also been changed by clone Sam. Because this is not how normal people react. I don't know. I don't think she's been changed by him. I just think that, you know, first off, she has no idea what this is, right? She has no reason to expect that it's going to hurt her. Like, she just doesn't know. And it, it looks fucking awesome. The special effect is great. Um But secondly, like she's just been through the most traumatic experience of her life. 
like I said, everyone she knows is now either missing or dead. She wouldn't be behaving rationally. I don't think she has to be like turned to the dark side to behave this way. I'm not saying she's turned necessarily, just been changed to maybe be more accommodating to walking up to your up knocked over freezer and picking over a, a guacamole egg out of it and then you know pondering it this yeah. is yeah i, I don't know i I, th- I feel like every everything that clone sam touches it just gets converted over to the cause yeah i don't know the movie doesn't tell us instead of a stem a kind of i guess it's kind of phallic bursts out of the egg and locks onto her mouth and we see it laying on the floor it's just as an organism it looks really stupid it's just like a long shaft and then a bunch of kind of organs hanging off of it yeah it's basically an alien dick in an egg it's the yeah. same thing that was used to that, that came out of the the alien and impregnated the first victim the i same- know but in that case we didn't see the uh the the sack just laying there <laughs> by itself it it's, looks really silly i don't think it looks silly i mean uh, it, it, it's fine it's just it's alien gonads what do you want them to look like well i don't know what they'd really look like this is the end the end the end door slams shut by itself we're actually it actually says the end <laughs> across the, 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 the middle of the screen in case there's any confusion yeah well, it, we thought that it was ending before, so yeah. Now, like, okay, this is this is the end definitively. All right, you want to give final thoughts and a rating out of four? You know, I'm per, I'm pretty happy that you know all the characters and incidents portrayed and the names herein are, you know, fictitious. <laughs> 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 Oh man, you know this would be really sad if it said based on a true story in the first, first opening scrawl, huh? Yeah. Um, as as an alien exploitation film, I, I think that this this movie has a lot going for it. There's a lot of one off iconic scenes that um, I, I would recommend watching this movie for, uh, despite everything else. The costumes are a little iffy, but otherwise the special effects are fine. Um, I, I think the egg stuff is great. Where this movie really falters, and I can't imagine this is an unpopular opinion, is when the kid starts bringing to life the toys around his bedroom. It is so off-brand from what you'd expect a movie like this to do. And upon... Upon immediately finishing this movie, I was thinking, like, what could they have done instead of that? And the only thing I could think of is maybe they would make more alien help or they would have the kid play a more active role in actually um, enacting his snake's vengeance or um, pursuing the extra plan of invasion. And maybe, maybe that wasn't possible with the child actor, although... Um, realistically, I think they just really wanted to throw everything into this movie. I'm not sure how relevant this is to extra itself. 
when I when I've seen like you know behind the scenes for certain movies, like say you know Star Wars or something, a lot of the original ideas in the script don't make it to fruition either for budgeting or idea reasons. Like there's like a lot of appeasements that have to be made between like the studio, the writers, the actors, whatever, to make sure whatever's in the film is is great for all the parties involved. And I feel like, you know, in a lot of creative situations, these restrictions often make artists uh, work harder and better with the tools that they have and not necessarily with all the ideas that they wanted to put in the movie. Um, I I think a a really strong part of the creative process is knowing when some of your ideas don't work. And it feels like the extra guys kind of missed the mark on that and threw everything in the kitchen sink in their movie when they really probably should have lowered the scope a little bit uh and it sucks to kind of hold that against the film but this isn't a long film you know hour 20 minutes you know without the credits this is worth watching for the alien stuff and then for the everything else just kind of use it as a lesson a lesson that if you ever decide to create something that maybe not all the ideas should go into it <laughs> or maybe get a second third or fourth opinion when uh from people who aren't on drugs <laughs> um, i'm gonna give this one two stars because i feel like i like half of it i don't eat like i think they could have left the all the uh psychic or telekinesis stuff out of it and just spent more time on the trauma of this situation. Like, have you seen the stepfather movies? No. Well, they're they're actually pretty good, but they're built around a similar idea, right? That this family, the 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 new stepfather is secretly a serial killer and they don't know. And so over time, they gradually grow more suspicious and he begins to lose control and he does things that reveals his sinister motives to them. And like this movie could have done that. It could have built that part aspect of the movie out and teased out some of those relationships instead of the clown stuff. But. I don't I actually don't think it's a problem. I I think that the movie is already wacky and it's not it it doesn't spend time to do things that would make it a serious movie. So you might as well go balls to the wall out there, throw everything in your movie. I don't care at that point. It just makes it more fun. But before I give my review, I wanted to share something with you. Um this is a film that was notoriously hated by Roger Ebert. <laughs> and I want to read part of his review to you. So this is the opening, the opening few lines. Extro is an ugly, mean-spirited, and despairing thriller that left me thoroughly depressed. Why was this movie made? What vision filled the filmmakers with a desire to share this work with an audience? I am not expecting a great movie when I walk in to see something named Extro, but I do hope the movie will contain some humor or style or excitement. Extro is the work of incompetent cynics. And then the closing paragraph says this. Most exploitation movies are bad, but not necessarily painful to watch. 
They may be incompetent. They may be predictable. They may be badly acted or awkwardly directed. But at some level, the filmmakers are enjoying themselves and at least trying to entertain an audience. Extro is an exception, a completely depressing, nihilistic film, an exercise in sadness. So I don't find like I don't find the movie as despairing as that, but I totally understand his complaint. I do think this movie is very dour and takes itself very seriously. And it has a pervasive tone um, and in effect mood of unease to it. I mean, the director in interviews was pretty open about the fact that their main goal was to put disgusting things on screen, like things that would gross people out. And I think that in doing in, in that part of the movie, there is success and the movie's really cool. I love the special effects with the eggs and stuff and the body horror aspects are they're really disturbing to me, but in a good way, like in a way that I want horror movies to unsettle me or disturb me. I just don't think and I it, I think the the one note mood of the movie, it may be due to incompetence. It may be intentional. I think the score has a lot to do with it, but it's similar to. This won't make sense to the audience, but when Leland and I watched Hereditary together, my complaint about the movie was that there was no there was no fall. There was no tragedy to it. The character started out the movie miserable like they were already defined by their misery. And I feel that way about the characters in this movie, too. So. On the one hand, I think the movie is really fun and entertaining because it's completely wacky and weird. And the like the alien birth scene and the alien on the highway scene, those scenes are so iconic and fun as like an 80s alien horror ripoff. But to me, most of the rest of the movie is very dark and dour and the efforts at humor don't work um i don't know in a in a way i it, that makes the movie experience interesting it makes it more unsettling um but it doesn't make it a good movie i'm gonna give it two and a half just on the edge of good um, like i'm saying i think this whole movie is just an exercise in knowing when to stop putting in ideas and focus on what you already have. And maybe what these guys needed was someone to come in from their production team and say, no, you cannot have this because if you've ever looked up at what the original script for like, say star Wars was supposed to be, if all of their original ideas made it in, there's no way that movie would have become as iconic as it did. Well, I mean, we might just disagree on this, but my, my point is that, I think if you took all those scenes out of the movie, like if you took out the clown stuff and the panther stuff and all the telekinesis things, I, I don't think the movie would be good. Like it would still be a bad movie. So if it's going to be a bad movie anyway, you might as well make it bonkers. Oh, that's like some scorched earth philosophy right there. I don't know. It just it's it's fun. Um, I think that there is definitely this. There is at heart a good movie hidden in here, but 
they didn't make it. So I know people love Extro. This is probably going to be our our opinions are probably going to be unpopular. Like people really like this movie, um, and I like watching it once in a while. I find it really entertaining, but I I don't think I understand the hype. Less clowns, more body horror. I think that's all they really needed to do. All right. Well, let's wrap up on Extro. Next week, we're watching another incredibly fun movie with really cool special effects. We are going to be watching the 1994 Italian creature feature, Creatures from the Abyss, which is also known as Plankton. I kind of like the Plankton title more. I, I don't know which one's sillier, but I think Plankton fits better with the tone of the film. You can find it on YouTube. All right. So if you haven't seen that, check out Plankton from 1994 and then join us next week. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We will talk to you all later about Plankton. Have a good one, everybody.